So Money episode 892, Karen Rinaldi, author of It's Great to Suck at Something. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. By sucking at surfing, I was able to get over my fear of public humiliation, right? Because when you surf, you are surfing where everyone can see you. Um, wipe out and miss waves. And I got really used to being okay with that. And then I realized I could apply that to my writing. So I started sharing my writing more as I got accustomed to that and thinking, well, the worst thing that happens is somebody sees my writing and they don't like it, right? I mean, that's like, I, I, I'll be okay with that. I don't know about you, but I've, uh, I've spent a lot of my life trying to not suck at a lot of things. My parents pushed me to do my best. I was always the teacher's pet. I strived for, you know, the straight A's. And I'm relieved now to have a friend, Karen Rinaldi, who is all about sucking at something. And it's not until you suck at something repeatedly that you actually grow. This is eye-opening information. And I wanted to bring Karen back on the show, actually. She was already on the podcast um, a year or so ago for a fiction book that she wrote. Karen has spent 20 years in publishing. She is the publisher of Harper Wave, which is an imprint that she founded in 2012. She's written novels. She's out with a new book now called It's Great to Suck at Something, The Unexpected Joy of Wiping Out and what it can teach us about patience, resilience, and the stuff that really matters. For Karen, she sucks at surfing, and this has been an incredible journey for her. It's what inspired the book. And think about it. What is something that you do in your life that you suck at, but guess what? You love it. You know, it's like this weird relationship. You keep getting up and going at it, even though every time it's like a miserable hashtag fail. For me, I'd say that's tennis. I don't suck at stand-up comedy, but it is something that I know it's a constant work in progress. And that is really exciting to me. And it hasn't for some reason discouraged me. It's actually inspired me and it actually has led me to be better at other things such as podcasting and thinking on my feet and not having a filter. I'm living this this lesson that Karen is now teaching as gospel. And I want to now share it with you because I think that it can make us better at a lot of things, our money, our relationships, our career, the list goes on. So without further ado, here is the wonderful, the masterful Karen Rinaldi. Karen Rinaldi, welcome back to So Money. I have been waiting for this moment. You announced you were going to write this book last time you were on or alluded to it. And here we are two years later. Congratulations. Hi, Farnoosh. It's great. Thank you for having me on again. Um, yeah, it, it, it seemed like a blink, but it was two years ago, wasn't it? Wow, yeah. that's crazy. And the book we're talking about is uh, It's Great to Suck at Something, The Unexpected Joy of Wiping Out and What It Can Teach Us About Patience, Resilience, and the Stuff That Really Matters. This stemmed from your personal experience as a novice surfer. 
Yes, a novice surfer whose status never um, <laughs> exceeds the no- novice level, I'm afraid, after uh, I think we're going on 18 years now of surfing. So I am nothing if not persistent, but I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I'm still bad at it. So I want to ask all sorts of questions around, you know, the how and the why of this book. You know, ultimately, I want to help listeners to identify their thing to suck at well. Yes. Um, for you though, what was the what got you back on the saddle or the board so often? And then when was it that you realized, hey, I'm actually benefiting from this beyond beyond just you know humility, <laughs> strengthening the humility muscle? Right. Yes. Um, so what got me going back on? That's a really good question because I think that's the entry point for a lot of people, which is you try something, you're not good at it. What gets you? to the next thing. And that's why I say that the first rule or the first thing you have to do is when you choose something, if, if, and when you choose something, and I hope everybody does to, to, to suck at, um, you choose something that you love or that you might love. So you might have to try a lot of different things. I mean, I've tried everything. I've tried skiing, horseback riding, you know, rollerblading, cycling, weightlifting, boxing. I mean, I've done so many fit from a physical point of view and I've loved a lot of them and I have pursued a lot of them for a short while, but none of them stuck like, like surfing. And there are a lot of reasons personally why that's true for me. But I think what happened is that I, it, it hooked me, right? So there's a hook, but also I started it with the idea that I never had to be good at it. Like I knew I was starting way late. It was very, very late in life at 40 years old. Um, not recommended by anybody. Any surfer would say, don't bother. Um, you know, and it's such a high learning curve that I, from the very beginning, it was an act of folly. And I think that allowed me to just do it, try it, and not worry about if I ever succeeded. Then what happened is I did stand up on a wave that first time. I mean, it was an ankle high wave. I was surfing on what was essentially a barn door. I mean, you could have could have stood on your head on that board and you would have stood up because <laughs> it was so stable. And I got a feeling. And that feeling was, oh, this could be amazing. And I guess there was a fuel, what I call the fuel of delusion. The fuel of delusion was, all right, I'm going to try this and I'm going to get better at it. The fact of the matter is it took me five years to even catch a wave. Hmm, Wow. So so what kept me going back was a kind of belief and a delusion, but also just the act, and this is the most important part, the act of getting a board, putting my board in the ocean, you know, getting in the ocean, paddling out, that was, I, I made that enough. That became enough. And I thought, this is the one thing in my life, the one thing I do that I don't have to be good at. And there was so much freedom in that, that I kept, I kept doing it and I kept doing it. If you perfect this, um, should you move on to something else that you suck? Is the goal to continue sucking or do you actually want to perfect it or get better at it? Okay. So this is, it's interesting because this is a question that comes up a lot in one, in one guise or another. And I understand the tension in this idea. So the idea is that, listen, if you do something, if you start something new, so this is to propel you into something new without fear, without fear of failing and without having a necessary goal, that's, that's the the premise of this idea of sucking at something. 
However, when you do something with intention and you do it a lot, you're going to get better at it. You just will. I mean, I listen, I can surf. I paddle out. I can catch waves. I ride the face of a wave. I can kick out. It's awesome when it happens. Um, I'm not good at it. It's not pretty, but I can do it. And by the way, I couldn't do it in the beginning. It took me a really long time to learn. So the idea is that, yeah, if you do something, if you're going to do pottery, you know, a lot of the clay is going to wind up on the floor and your pot, pot you're going you're to make, you know, crap pottery and all that stuff. But, you know, every once in a while, you're going to craft something that's beautiful. The idea is to not get hung up on that goal, to not get hung up on the reward, because so much of our life is about that reward and the goal setting. So we start out with a certain level of anxiety and stress. And I'm saying, let go of that anxiety and stress and, and that myth or that lie of perfection, right? Let go of that and do it anyway. And in the book, I tell the story of uh, one of the greatest ballet dancers of all time, Mikhail Baryshnikov. And when I met him, I was working with him on a book as a publisher. And when I met him, um, it was this amazing moment. And I won't go, the, the story in the book goes into detail, and it's actually a pretty funny story. But one of the things I asked him was like, what are you doing after our meeting? And this is Mikhail Baryshnikov. And he said, I'm going to dance lessons. Mm. And I thought, <laughs> lessons. The greatest, the greatest dancer in the world is going to dance lessons. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I never stop learning. I never, never stop taking lessons. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a frame of mind. So that idea that, you know, perfecting it is like, what is that? I don't think the, the, I want to bust the myth of the myth, sorry, of perfectionism, because I don't believe that perfectionism actually exists. I think it's, it's a lie. It's a, it's a lie that captures a lot of us and drives our egos to the point where we're immobile and we're afraid to try something new. Listen, I do a lot of things well. I don't, I mean, I suck at surfing, but there are things in my life that I do quite well. Um, I don't do any of them perfectly. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I would never say that there's anything I do that is perfect. So for me to say, I'm such a perfectionist, which is a line you, we all hear all the time, is really just a protection against the future failing. And that's sad to me. You know what I mean? Why would you put up that roadblock to yourself? I'm such a perfectionist that dot, dot, dot. I can't finish this. I can't start that. I'm afraid to perform. I'm afraid to do this. You know, you do stand up, right? The first time you do stand up, you know, you, you had to let go of that notion of that lie of perfectionism because it doesn't exist actually. This, I feel really dovetails what we're hearing more and more of now uh, from people like Dr. Brene Brown, who was like, lean into your vulnerability. Yes. Yes. And, and so this book is very timely, right? It's, it's not just because we have this fixation on perfectionism, but because also there is a lot of data and science and psychology behind the rewards of being your weakest self sometimes. Or what we perceive to be weakness, but it's actually strength. Because if you allow yourself to get vulnerable, that's being strong. Exactly. And I think that's the big kind of jujitsu move, right? <laughs> Which is we think all these things are signs of weakness, right? right. Failure, failure, trying over and over again, reiterating, um, um, you know, um, not giving up, 
But underneath all of that, underneath the quote unquote sucking at something, you find that there's so much resilience um, that you have. There's patience that you have. There, you know, Kristen Neff talks about self-compassion. Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. You know, the Buddhists talk about letting go of, you know, a pre a, a preconceived outcome, right? You have to, there, you know, there's, there's wisdom in all the mystic, mystical, uh, traditions and a lot of theology. And what's happening is that that wisdom is now being backed by neuroscience and sociological studies and, and, you know, these progressive thinkers in the space of psychology and, um, and, and, you know, where the brain and the mind meet. So there's a lot of research, but I also think, I don't think, I don't think it's a mistake that right now, we're hearing it because I think we've got to a place in our culture where there's, you know, I, I call it aspirational dread. You know, the, you know, we're taught to be aspirational in everything we do so that we don't appreciate how hard so many things really are mm -hmm. to do. And therefore we do two things. So the, what we do is we, we think it's, you know, we don't appreciate how hard it is. We just think that people who are good at things got there you know, because they were lucky or because they were innately talented. What we don't see underneath it is all of the hard work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's time to sort of, you know, you know, pull the cover off of that and notice the hard work. A. B, I feel like we are living in a time where, you know, social media makes it look like everybody else's life, you know, is, is, you know, so much prettier, better, smarter, richer, you know, more successful than ours, because what we do is we curate what goes out in the world, we curate ourselves, and all of a sudden, everybody has access to it. Instead of saying, you know, I want to show I would, you know, I hope that, you know, I can create a thing where everybody talks about what they suck at. And by the way, you can't talk about what other people suck at, because the, the whole point of this is to look at yourself and laugh at yourself and appreciate your efforts. And then you can go and appreciate other people's efforts without pointing the finger and saying, Hey, yeah, look at that person. He or she sucks at that. So it's not about judgment. It's about, it's about, you know, self-compassion. And then you take that self-compassion and you can turn it outward and appreciate everybody else's efforts as well. I like the notion of appreciating the difficulty in things. Yes. I like yeah. that a lot. So it does sound like this, to some extent, has to be an exercise of, uh, of finding something that is physical in nature, an, a, an active thing, um, cycling, it riding. Yeah. Can it yeah. be like sucking at relationships? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? This is what this – okay. So this is this dovetails actually really well into the, the, the kind of – the benefit of, of this thing, because what, so, so it does it have to be physical. No, I know somebody who does crossword puzzles. Somebody could do knitting. Somebody could do, um, it, I don't know if it has to be parenting. Rock, no, I'm kidding. writing. I mean, writing is like writing is every writer sucks at writing. Mm -hmm. Cause if you don't suck at writing, you're never going to get to the good stuff. Nobody sits down and writes an essay, a book, you know, an article, a novel or any of it without writing crap first. Right. So writers have to just, you don't have to get published. You know what I mean? Like you can, I wrote for 30 something years without getting published. And it was that thing of just, I'm going to write it and put it away and write it and put it away and write it and put it away. And instead of writing to publish, I wrote because I wanted to write and because it gave me pleasure and I sucked at it. I did. I mean, I really did. It took me a long time to hone that skill. 
Um, and even though I'm in the world and I have access to all great writers and great, you know, great information, it didn't matter. Like I felt like I wasn't ready. And I, so I feel like it doesn't have to be something physical. I feel like it could be a lot. It could be languages. I know people who study languages and aren't good at it, but they love to study languages. So, so what if you speak Spanish badly, right? So it could be, you know, more of a cerebral pursuit as well. But the idea is to start something you love that you get a kick out of, um, that you don't pressure yourself to succeed in. You learn something about yourself by the resilience it takes to go forward and by enjoying the process. So much of this, it's the old, old adage of, you know, it's about the journey. It's not about, you know, it's not about the destination. I mean, it's so old school, but that's really partly what this is about. But what happens is that when you suck at something, and you you learn the tools to forgive yourself, to dig deep for for that you know the tenacity and grit that you you know Angela Duckworth talks about grit. Like mm-hmm. the people talk about a lot of aspects of this. When you have access to that stuff, when you suck at like relationships or parenting, and God knows these are the things that's relation your partnering, your partnership and relationships, your your parenting and work. Right. Those are the things you're not really supposed to suck at. Right. I mean, (laughs) and your money, I must say. (laughs) Well, money's money's huge, actually. Money's really huge um, about that because, you know, money's money's hard because there's a lot of emotional stuff Mm -hmm. attached to money, money, that self self-worth, you know, access to access to it. And people are really messed up about money. And I think that what happens is that you have to look at these things somewhat dispassionately, not that you're dispassionate about money, you know, work, parenting or partnering, but allowing yourself to fail in it. Because listen, I'm, you know, we we were talking about parenting before we started recording. And you said, Oh, you know, you know, you said, you're a great mother. And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I hope I am. And, And it's the thing I care about being best at, but I can mark and there are some anecdotes in the book where I'm not modeling the best (laughs) for my kids. Like there are times when I screw that up too. And the idea is when you're, when you, when you exercise that muscle of forgiving yourself and understanding how you can, you know, suck at something or mess up when you do that, where it really matters in your work and your relationship and your, and, and with your kids, you, you can catch yourself and forgive yourself without going way out of control and doing that loop that you do is like, you know, I'm worthless and I'm horrible and I did the wrong thing and maybe I'm a bad mother. And it's like, no, you had a moment. You had a moment that was less than stellar and you go, yeah, but I know what that feels like. And I still love myself and I am still worthy of love. And you catch it and you say, hmm, what can I learn from this? As opposed to going into a tailspin, which is what I think you know, what a lot of us do, um, when we mess up. So I think it gives you the tools to deal with suckitude mm-hmm. for the things that really matter. This question comes from our sponsor, Chase Karen. And we want to ask people because this is graduation season and, um, a lot of uh, young people entering the real world for the first time. What is a piece of advice you wish you'd given yourself or you had had back then, maybe perhaps some financial advice? Oh, wow. Financial advice from, from what, from back, like when I started working? Yeah. When you first let, like you graduated from college, um, if there are any young people listening, um, they will benefit from this. (laughs) Uh, two things from very polar opposite sides of it. One is don't chase the money because if you pick the thing you want to do, just, and this is where it's not, you can't suck at something, do it 
and, and put your head down and be really good at it. And don't, the money will come. I really, I was told this when I was young and I was very frustrated when I started out in publishing, which is a notoriously uh, low paying industry. And I thought, oh boy. And I remember uh, getting advice from someone who said, just put your head down and keep at it and keep and be really good at it. And you will catch up to the point where, you know, you will make, you will do I mean, not, you don't get rich doing it, but you know, that, uh, you know, you will do decently. So a lot of it is not, don't, don't quit the job to take the next little increase to take the next little increase stick. I think sticking is hugely important. Um, and be good and the money will come. Um, and then on the opposite side of it is definitely take, if you're in a company and someone's offering it, take advantage of that 401k. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, didn't let's just get tactical for a second yeah, here. Okay, like, everybody. Yeah, and you just go away, get really simple about it. I did not listen. I didn't do it until way too late in the game and I'm kicking myself. The Wall Street Journal highlighted your book as part of a, um, a genre of new books that are written, uh, seems to be in service of women in their fifties, perhaps because the authors are in that demo yes, and exactly. midlife. But I've and so, but I feel like your book is applicable. I mean, most important to people who are young too, because better to fail at something when you're younger and, and strengthen your ability to deal with adversity and all the things that fall under that category of, you know, rejection, et cetera, earlier than later. But for some reason, this also, there's a sweet spot here for people in the mid, in midlife. So just want to talk about maybe how people in different generations can embrace this. Well, what's been interesting is that I've seen people want to apply the application of this idea of sucking at something. Um, I've been tapped by, you know, Parents Magazine because they want to talk about not only parenting, but how, you know, how it helps us with our kids. And, you know, women, I've been tapped by a couple of people to talk about how women, what women can learn because we often judge ourselves um, harshly and are judged harsh, harshly. Um, and, you know, writing, I've written about, you know, writing and sucking and, you know, finding a work life balance. And so I'm finding application to every demographic and also every sector, right? Even in education, you know, I think, you know, our kids, either our kids or say we are, you know, in the middle of our education, you know, if it's, it's college or grad school or, or, you know, more, and we're constantly, you know, we don't allow ourselves or, you know, our kids to, to fail at school or to do badly. Like we think, you know, we're, we've got them so focused on the win and listen, not everybody can be the best. Not everybody's going to win all the time. So really what you want to teach is that resilience. And, um, Andrew Zoli, who wrote a wrote the book called resilience, and he and I had this amazing conversation that's actually in the book. And he talks about how, when things go wrong, right? When a situation goes wrong, when a, you know, it could be a structure breaks, you know, resilient structure or a resilient person breaks because there, there, there are, you know, things in place that are, they're flexible, there's flexibility and there's improvisation, right? So if a person is in a situation where things go whack, right? Cause they always do. The person who is not going to break from rigidity is going to be more flexible and is also going to be able to improvise on that situation to make it better. So when you do something you're not entirely expert at, right? You don't have that expert loop going, but you have to be constantly, you know, adjusting. That's where you learn to improvise. So it's more, you know, it's more jazz than it is, you know, uh, a Baroque symphony, right? 
So, you know what I mean? Instead of it being, you know, rigid and set, you know, it's improvisational. So I feel like this is a lesson that everybody can learn at every point in your life. And I, you know, I feel like the, the, the Wall Street Journal piece, which was amazing and, and got a lot of attention, I think, is that these, you know, women over 50 saying, you don't get to be 50 and then you can't try new things. You don't, you don't like, you know, go forward and try new stuff because it's like, Oh, I mean the line would be, Oh, I'm too old to do X, Y, or Z. And the point is a, you're never too old to do X, Y, or Z. And you're also never too, you know, as you're never too busy, you're never too, you know, there's always excuses that we give ourselves. And I'm saying, get rid of the excuses and make room for play for something new. Um, and we all, like I said, we all benefit from it. I think Nora Ephron was in her late forties or something like that before she got really famous. Did her oh, is that first, true? I, I don't, I don't remember what, when that happened. Someone. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Maybe don't quote me on that. <laughs> well, if it's not her, it's somebody else. I mean, listen, I think a lot of people, you know, people measure themselves against other people's successes, but a, that, that equation doesn't really have any meaning a and B you can't measure yourself against somebody's successes because you don't also know what their failures were, right? Like you can't know that. So you're not getting the whole story. So we selectively kind of look at things and say, Oh, I wish I could do that, be that, have that as opposed to saying, well, wait a minute, what do I, you know, what's right for me? And then, you know, letting go of that comparison uh, because the comparison is, is basically a, it's a false set of factors contributing to whatever comparison you're making because you can't possibly know what the story, the whole story is. So I'd love to link this a little bit, you know, this, this concept of sucking at something and how it can therefore directly or indirectly help you with a project at work or your relationships or just, I don't know, um, something tangible. So for, for, so for the sake of that, can you give us a story of maybe how you're surfing the introspection that happened as a result of sucking at it, the, you know, the self-actualization, all that, how did that maybe manifest yeah. in something really important in your life? Um, I mean, and then I can answer that in, in a couple of ways, but the, the most obvious way is that I was talking about writing before and how writing, you know, so I'm an editor, I'm a publisher and I've written my whole life, right? I've been writing since I was 11 years old and I'm, a tough judge of writing because it's what I do for a living. So I, I know what good writing is. Um, I am tasked with helping writers find their voice and, and put their work together and to get it out in the world. Um, but I was very hesitant to let my own work out into the world as a writer, even though um, I've been writing for decades. And it really ties back to surfing. This is crazy. Surfing helped me be a writer professionally. I mean, to like now and be a published writer. So, so by sucking at surfing, I was able to get over my fear of public humiliation, right? Because when you surf, you are surfing where everyone can see you, um, wipe out and miss waves. And I got really used to being okay with that. And then I realized I could apply that to my writing. So I started sharing my writing more as I got accustomed to that and thinking, well, the worst thing that happens is somebody sees my writing and they don't like it. Right. I mean, that's like, I, I'll be okay with that. And that helped me push through a barrier that I had and a fear of humiliation that I had. And so it, it, it we like it, I don't surf better, but I definitely was able to 
share my work, which of course, when I share my work with people, they were able to help me make it better. And I was able to make it better without that fear of failure or that, oh, it's already not perfect. And I'm so embarrassed by that. And that was a huge permission for me to go from being a writer who wrote alone and kept it quiet to a writer who was able to share her work. I love it. So suck at something so you can excel at something else. Well, so that <laughs> you more can, important you know, to you, perhaps. Yeah, well, that you can, and it's not though. Writing is not more important to me than surfing. That's actually true. Not true. If I could do anything, I would surf first mm-hmm. and I would do everything else second. I mean, that's a crazy calculus, but I have to work and I love my work and I love to write and I sort of have to write, but surfing to me, but I can't surf all the time and it, and and it doesn't, I don't get paid for it and it's not, but, but what I do is it, it not only gives me the pleasure in doing it, but I did, this is why you said, why did you keep going? I kept going because I kept thinking, why am I doing this? I'm thinking, I am getting so much out of this, learning so much about myself that I didn't know. And that was very powerful. And when I started applying that to the things that it's like, well, what else am I afraid of? It's like, I am really afraid of sharing my writing. I, 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 I opine about writing for my day job. And I, I did the same for my own. And I was so critical. I was like, I can't let this out in daylight until it's perfect. But like, nobody writes perfectly. Everybody needs an editor and needs help, right? So I was able to share that. And again, that got me to a better place. And I think that it also makes me better when I screw up at work. Again, it doesn't make me better at work. It makes me better at understanding where I'm maybe making a mistake and I can do a course correction as opposed to saying, I'm just a terrible X, Y, or Z. That noise, that self-critic in our head is very loud. And we want to quiet that self-critic. And we can do it by looking it in the face every, you know, I look it in the face every time I surf. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, you think I suck at this? Well, I that's that's fine with me. I'm going to have fun anyway. And there's so much power in that. A friend wrote to me the other day, I love this friend of mine because she's always so positive. And she said something like, courage is the currency of life and, um, or the, of the, or the currency of, you know, a great life or something like that. And I think, um, I don't know. I sometimes you just need to hear that stuff. Yeah, you do. You have to remind yourself that, like, you know, what's, so what happens when I, what happens when I miss a wave? I, I wipe out. What happens when I get a piece rejected or a book rejected? Somebody doesn't want to publish it. It's probably because it wasn't good enough. You know what? But by the way, that's like, I have to just, and then, you know, dot, 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 dot. What does that mean? I'm still worthy of love. You know what I mean? That, I mean, that's where we go. And it's just one person's opinion in that Uh, case. Well, that, that, well, you know what? My first novel got rejected by 30 people. 30 people rejected. All you need is one person to like. (laughs) You know what? And you know what? I put it in the drawer and I just gave up on it for, you know, for 15 years. And then I pulled it out again and, 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 you know, it wound up coming out, but the first iterations of it. And I know that I, I, I also know that, you know, if it were really good people, you know, people would be clamoring for it. Right. So it's okay. But my point was, okay. So there, that, that, that happened. You know what? I still got up and I still rode again, just like I still surfed again. I still rode again. And I think that's the point. It's like if there's something that you must do that you want to do that gives you pleasure anyway, you have to ask yourself why you're doing it. And I always say to writers, you know, if you want to write to get published, right, if your first order is getting published, I say don't even start. 
No. You know, if your first order of surfing is so that you can surf pipeline, you know, which is, you know, a, a wave that very few people in the world can surf, relatively speaking, you know, if that's your thing, then don't start. Like, like don't, don't set the, the goal before you actually go through the process because then it, all the noise in your head will get in the way and actually prevent you from progressing in any um, measurable or, you know, important way. Right. And I think we all do that. I mean, especially people who are in their 20s and 30s when they're just uh, after that success, achievement, all the things, and then they get there and they're like, that's it. Okay. Why am I feeling so crappy? Um, It's because you didn't enjoy the process. You were just doing it to get that, you know, notch on your belt. Yeah. And I think once you get the notch on your belt, you are faced with I'm still me, I'm still here, and that didn't change who I am. So really what you're trying to get to is just being happy to just be, to simply be, and full stop. And that's hard for us because we want to be, because we want the accolades and the money and the reward and everything else. And you're saying it's very hard to just get to, I just want to be. So you have to be careful about what it is, the reason you're doing something and making sure that you're not saying, once I get that, I will be worthy of love. Once I do that, I will be, have contributed to the world. Once I do that, it's like we have these goals and that's our ego screaming, right? All the time. It's our ego screaming at us and going, I feel like you can, you can be, you know, you you know, your best self, you can be, I mean, happy. I don't even know what happy is, but like you can be fulfilled. You can be um, useful to your fellow humans, which is also something that's important, right? We need to be able to help our fellow, but we can do that if we get our egos and our need for validation out of the way. Right. But that's hard. I mean, that's, you know, oh my God, that's hard. That's, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. That's how a we life's get... journey. <laughs> well, it, but it is, but you know, and it's never too, first of all, you're right. It's a life's journey. So you're never going to get to the end of it. Sorry but guys. Also, you got, is it still going out? Oh yeah. Sorry. Guys. No, no, no. I meant like, sorry, yeah, everybody. Yeah. You're not, but that's okay <laughs> because the process, the process of it is a beautiful thing. And here's the other thing that to answer the question in one other way. And I think this is a beautiful part of it. By entering a new thing, right, a new activity, sport, hobby, whatever you want to call it, you enter another community and it's a community you might not otherwise be part of, right? So I'm in the world, I I live in New York City, I'm in publishing, um, you know, I'm in that media art world um, and I love it. The world of surfing is sometimes it overlaps and it definitely overlaps a little bit. But I have a whole community of people that I know and love who are like family to me that are part of my life because I surf. It's a surfing community that I would never have known these people who enhance and enrich my life by the very fact of their being. I mean, I love them and we share this common language. And that's not a language that overlaps much with my, you know, life. It, it does overlap in, in New York a little bit, but, but mostly you kind of go, you open yourself up to all of, to all, to another community and we, and, and connecting with people. I don't know about you, but like, to me, connecting with people is, is where I get the most juice. I mean, you know, you people, 
people are awesome and you get you we we fall into these echo chambers right of our own little world and then when you pivot out you say i'm going to learn glass blowing say or my son uh, my my younger son is a hema expert so he's in the world of hema which is called historical european martial art he fights with a german longsword um and it's it's a very esoteric Talk about an amazing community of people from all walk, you know, young, old, male, female, but kind of eccentric, esoteric, and brilliant and cerebral. And it's the most awesome practice. And he's a swordsman, basically. He is a swordsman, practices a 15th century discipline. This <laughs> is so crazy. But there's this whole world that he's part of, a community that he would never be part of if he didn't. You know, he hadn't been doing it for 12 years and sucked at some of it big times and then had to work through that. And now he's actually quite good. But, you know, in the early days, he, he was a very bad fencer, actually. He hated fencing and it was he was a bad fencer. And he got good when he finally locked into HEMA, which was about year eight or nine <laughs> down the line. And now this is his a big part of his universe. And by the way, I know the HEMA people because of him. And I get to be part of that community, which I think is awesome. Like when, how would you do that if you didn't, you know, try something new and, and struggle in it? And I think that's the ultimate gift is that connection, that community, especially now we have such a lack of it, or we, it's very easy, maybe I should say, to feel isolated because of the social media and the technology that we surround ourselves with. So, um, so many gifts, so much bounty. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Farnoosh. Thank you. It's so good to talk to you always. Karen's book again is called It's Great to Suck at Something. You can learn more about Karen at krinaldi.com and you can follow her on Instagram at suck at something. All this information is available for you at somoneypodcast.com. You can listen to the audio, you can download the transcript, you can learn more about Karen's book, and you can also send me a question for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. If you've got a question about career, money, I want to help. So let me know what's on your money mind through the Ask Farnoosh button, or you can also follow me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.